This is the DallasCowboys.com Draft Show. Your war room for insider news and draft analysis from deep within the confines of Cowboys headquarters at the Star in Frisco. The Dallas Cowboys select T.D. Lamb. Oh, they took it! Now, your host, Kyle Yeomans. It's another edition of the DallasCowboys.com Draft Show presented by Miller Lite as we are three weeks away, 21 days out from the NFL Draft. And I can see Dane Brugler all fresh and ready to go for this episode for many different reasons, but I think it's also because we're just within 21 days. We've got Kevin KT Turner. Bucky Brooks is on the way as well. I'm Kyle Yeoman. So glad you're with us. But Dane, it is, I mean, I've said this probably for the last three weeks or so in its own right, but saying, hey, we're getting down to the nitty gritty. We're getting down to the final days. The 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 escalation continues going up to the NFL draft, but right now it kind of feels like a little bit of a dead point, at least until we figure out some of these medicals. Yeah, that's it's, that's fair to put it that way because uh, it's it's calm before the storm, right? Ah, you know, that's there's a, a lot that's coming. We know that, but yeah, what uh, the the medicals are going on right now in Indianapolis. The way it's working this year is anybody that was invited to the combine, you know, they were designated to go to a local doctor and get checked out. And then they there was about 150 guys that had some type of issue, uh, you know, or you know, an injury in college. They're going to Indianapolis to get a more thorough examination, and so. We're going to find out what comes out of that. Uh, you know, that'll the next you know week or two, stuff like that will start to leak out about you know maybe some uh, you know pre-existing issues we didn't know about, maybe some you know a, a shoulder injury that's a little worse than what we thought. Uh, you know, I remember that happened uh, with a guy like you know, Jay Ajayi back in the day, coming out of Boise State. Like it, his his knee was just a, a lot worse than what you know what we knew and. You know, we thought he was a second-round pick. He lasts until like at the fifth round, I believe. So, you know, it happens every year, um, and this year is just a little bit later because of the dynamic with the combine, and uh, you know, as, as we kind of navigate the the pandemic uh, with this uh, with this draft process. You know, I, I feel like you know this is the, the day after Dane puts out his you know, the beast, the the big draft guide um, that he does every year, and I I can't help but go. Wow, he's seen a lot more players than I have, and I still have a goal of like hitting like like I still have a goal of watching three hundred players, and then Dane releases a book with six hundred, and you're like, oh dang! But what's fun is this is still kind of grind time for me. In fact, I kind of wish that they would move the Masters back a month to after the draft <laughs> because like I still like I've still got some players I need to watch, and I've got a target of people based on the combine invite list. And then you see, you take a peek at Dane's draft guide, and you start circling some names like, "Oh, that's his, uh, you know, thirteenth corner or whatever." I, and I hadn't seen that guy yet. Why haven't I seen him? I need to see him. So it's kind of grind time for me. I, I know, um, you know, the great thing about really the NFL in general is the machine keeps pumping out storylines. Two weeks ago, 49ers are moving up, and we got the whole Mac Jones thing, and we got the Eagles and Dolphins, you know, switching spots there as well. And then you get. The Carolina Panthers trade for Sam Darnold, which on surface level you could go, okay, that makes sense. But also you're like, well, what if they get rid of Teddy Bridgewater? Could they still take a quarterback? I don't think so because they're going to pick up Darnold's fifth-year option. But Don't rule it out. If, yeah. Don't, yeah, don't rule it out. So that 
kind of, okay, what trade's going to happen now? And then Mortensen's like, Jerry Jones is infatuated with Kyle Pitts. <laughs> and we're like, everyone's infatuated with Kyle Pitts. We know. And it's like, you know, it just never stops. There's always something. And this is kind of the funnest part, the most fun part of the year for me. You know, it's, it's kind of crazy. Like, baseball's back in March Madness. we got Masters happening. And everything is happening. And still kind of like, hey, got a lot of work to do on this draft. Plus the crap that's going to come out in the next three weeks. And if there's 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 one shining example of, like, how to never, like, act like you know it all about the draft. And to me, it's the Laramie Tunsil moment. Yeah. Like, you've got everything going. Night of the draft, we've got a gas mask situation that shook up that whole draft. And he's played a big part in shaking up the league with how he got traded and getting drafted later than usual. So, like, you know... Trevon Diggs going in the second round might be a more recent example, but we should never act like we know everything. There's a lot of cards to fall. Especially this year, uh, with everything you know so different than usual. Uh, I mean, there's late information coming in on these players and you know how uh, you know teams are operating differently just because of how different this process has been just from the fall until now. So especially this year, uh, I, I would say, yeah, we, we, there's a lot we don't know and a lot that we still have to try and figure out. I, I would put it at maybe, you know, these last three weeks of everything we hear, maybe, what, 10% of it ends up being true. So there's going to be a lot of noise, mm. a lot of uh, rumors, a lot of things that just, you know, are not going to come to fruition. But it, we're going to hear about it the next three weeks. Well, on these storylines that continue to come out around this draft class and around what's going to happen on April 29th is almost like a ticking time bomb because we know that there's there's been some in the past, but we're waiting for the next big time bomb to drop. And, of course, yesterday, like KT said, it was Jerry Jones and, and Kyle Pitts. And, sure, everybody loves Kyle Pitts. So that was really no surprise. Doesn't change a whole lot. But I, go, I want to get y'all's opinion on some of the storylines we've already heard. Where do we stand in the Mac Jones at number three conversation? Because I know we talked about that a couple weeks ago, Dane, and you said, based off of what you're hearing, Mac Jones is the pick. Has anything changed since then, or have you thought of anything else specifically that maybe deters you from that actually being the case? I, I wouldn't say that he is the pick, but I would definitely say he 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 feels like the leader in the clubhouse. Um, you know, he he feels like that that's where the the pick is trending. Um, and the fact that just just the simple fact that Kyle Shanahan went to his pro day, that right there tells you he's at least uh, right there in the conversation. Kyle Shanahan does not go to a lot of pro days, and you know the fact that he was there, he was not there to see Najee Harris or Devontae Smith or those other guys. He was there to see the quarterback. Mm-hmm. Now. Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers will be going to Justin Fields' second pro day next week. That's obviously interesting. Um, that shakes things up a little bit. Um, and just you know, for uh, context, there's no private workouts this process. And so to have a second pro day, uh, it's open to anybody. So any other team can attend the second pro day with Justin Fields. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what other teams are there. But it still feels like Mac Jones is, is the leader in the clubhouse. And I would also point out how the, the Panthers trade the, for Sam Darnold, the timing of that is really interesting. Is that, was that a reaction to the 49ers moving up to three to get Mac Jones? Because we have to remember, Carolina, they coached Mac Jones at the Senior Bowl. Yeah. Uh, the owner, Tepper, was there. He had a chance. They had a chance to get to know Mac Jones. Maybe that was the target at eight. 
And then once the 49ers moved up, they felt that strongly that, okay, they're moving up for Mac Jones. So we're going to go to our backup plan, which happens to be Sam Darnold. So it, it, was that trade a reaction to uh, the 49ers move? Uh, time will tell. But it's just it, kind of interesting as you try to connect these dots. I, I think it's very it's very fun to talk about these quarterbacks because you could uh, in your head you can start you know getting in your own head and creating these like smokescreen scenarios. Well, maybe if they go to Mac Jones and Justin Fields pro day, uh, maybe Trey Lance is the pick and they could develop right. for one year behind Garoppolo. Like you can start talking yourself into things. To me, we know it's a quarterback at three. What in the world the Falcons are going to do at four right. is very yeah. fascinating. Um, you know Cincinnati. You kind of ask people um, who uh, at least cover the team in Cincinnati. i got friends that cover the team in Cincinnati. And you kind of get the whole, uh, well, it feels like it's probably offensive tackle or it's probably pass catcher, one of the two. So you feel like you can kind of map that out. You feel like Miami went up to get a pass catcher. That's what you think, yeah. you know, at least. Um, so you're kind of vibing on this. you got no clue on Atlanta, though. You go to seven in Detroit, new regime there. You know, I, I think it's pretty dangerous if you got a, a real strong, you know, stone cold lock prediction of what's going to happen at seven. So there's a lot of things that are up in the air. One thing that's interesting, and we talked about this with Denver a few weeks ago. They signed, you know, Kyle Fuller and Ronald Darby. So is Denver less likely to take a cornerback? I don't know. You know, Vic Fangio, the head coach. <laughs> Maybe you know, we'll see. Car- Carolina signs AJ Bouye, who's, you know, not what he used to be, and. Suspended for the first two games, but does that make them less likely to take a cornerback? I doubt it, but maybe you know. And if yeah. you're a team like Dallas who could use a um, you know a cornerback, you know Carolina could go offensive tackle as well. So that's a Carolina's a dangerous team, I think, in terms of taking a player off the board. If um, if this if if let's say that you were longing for Sertan, Sewell, Slater. Or we'll say Pitts, just for fun, right? If you're longing for one of those four, well, Carolina's definitely a danger to take one of those players. And Denver at nine is a danger to take one of those players. I have no interest in trading up at this point, but I do think you can, you can talk yourself into some, into some doomsday scenarios if you want to, if those were the people you were coveting uh, from the Cowboys' standpoint at 10. Well, Kevin and uh, – well, that's weird. I just called you Kevin. Uh, KT and oh. KT and Kyle. What, let, let me, I want to get your uh, answer on this question. What do you think the percentage chance is that the first defensive player, or there, there's no defensive player drafted in the first nine picks? If you had to put a percentage on that, what, what do you think you would say? Ooh, maybe seventy-five percent. I'd probably put three three fourths of the way there, because I still think there is a defensive player that goes there. I mean, I think it's a twenty five percent chance that they, at least at eight or nine, actually end up picking a player either at Carolina or Denver that's on the defensive side of the football. Okay. Yeah, I hate to be t- I hate to be too down the middle, but I think it's it's under fifty percent. I think it's like a forty wow. percent chance wow. that there is that a defensive player has already been taken. Wow. See, and I, I kind of uh, lean. I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I lean more towards Kyle, I guess, just because when you look at uh, Carolina at eight, they went all defense last year. It just feels like this is going to be a trade out or, or an offensive, offensive pick. tackle. Yeah. Uh, right. Denver, 
I, Denver's tough because you have a new GM, first-year GM. We, there, there's a lot of unknown there. Could they be in the quarterback market? Um, you know, it, they, they could go in a several different directions. But, yeah, I think I would lean more towards Kyle. You know, we're talking 65 70%. There's, there's that chance that the Cowboys could be on the board of 10 with every single defensive player still available. Let's add Bucky Brooks into this conversation as well, as he is now back on the draft show. Bucky, glad you're able to join us in your fancy studio set, as always, wearing the shield, <laughs> wearing the shield again. I, I love it from your perspective. So, the conversation right now that we're having, Bucky, is what is the likelihood that a defensive player goes in the top ten, at least above Dallas? So, top nine picks. What is what would your percentage be? that a defensive player goes, or, or excuse me, doesn't go in the top nine picks? Shoot, man. I, I, I think this is going to be the first player. The only team I can see taking a defensive player would be at nine, maybe the Denver Broncos because Vic Fangio. Outside of that, you think about the run on quarterbacks that could take place. You have the Kyle Pitts scenario, uh, the two offensive tackles, Penny Sewell and Rashawn Slater. Um I mean, the first defensive player might be either at Denver or the Cowboys. And so that, I mean, could change the equation if you're Dallas because you have the pick of the litter when it comes to defensive playmakers. Yeah, I, I like what uh, you know Dane said about Carolina possibly being a trade-out at eight now after they made that trade you know, for, for Darnold. And I was thinking about the teams behind, like 13, the Chargers – they could be cornerback, they could be offensive tackle, but they could be one of those positions the Cowboys want. 14, Minnesota. Like, in terms of, it's not number of picks, but in terms of the percentage of draft inventory over the last 10 years, the Cowboys and the Vikings take more corners from a percentage standpoint than any other team. Wouldn't be surprised if Minnesota got a little antsy and moved up. New England at 15, obviously they could do some moving. Arizona at 16, they could use a cornerback. I think it gets it's fascinating if teams start going, well, this is my number one cornerback on the board, and I've got a team wanting out at eight. I think it gets kind of interesting. Now, the thing that I wanted to throw at you guys, though, is still kind of a little bit based on the Darnold trade. Not, not really, but it involves the Jets. What if the Jets are like, you know what? We're getting Zach Wilson, but we've got to get him a weapon right now. Mm-hmm. We're going to give you pick 23 and pick 34. Uh, to go to 10, would you do that? Hmm. T- 23 and 34. Man, that's tough. Yeah, that, that, that's interesting. Uh, yeah, because you're, you're theoretically you're trading away from Patrick Sertan, from J.C. Horn, uh, maybe Rashawn Slater. It's tough to trade away from those players, but you have a chance to get possibly two players that uh, you, you could have first-round grades on, uh, talking about with 23 and then 34. So that could you could turn that into a, a Tevin Jenkins and, uh, you know, whoever that next corner is for you, whether it's uh, Kelvin Joseph or, uh, you know, do you roll the dice on a Caleb Farley at that point, mm. uh, you know, with, with the injury stuff. So, I, I, you know, that's a, that's a really. I don't know that the Jets would be that aggressive. I think they, you know, they have a lot of picks, so you can't completely rule it out. Uh, but that that would certainly make you think. That that'd be interesting. I, man, I think if you're Dallas, I think you have a chance to get a, a top ten player there. And the way that we're talking about the board breaking, one of the top defenders, if that's where you want to go, is going to be there. Arguably, one of the top offensive tackles would be there too. I think that'd be too tempting. Uh, to pass up to get a marquee player as opposed to acquiring more picks. I'd rather have the player. 
Yeah, I think I'm right there too. I, I think I would like it. I, I, I would like the, I like the, the dartboard. I like having more chances at it, especially whenever it's a top 35 pick. But I think whenever you look at the, the 10th overall pick right now, and, and we just talked about it, there's a very good likelihood that there's not going to be a defensive player off the board. You're going to get your cream of the crop, your top defensive player on your board, no matter what, because or I guess close to no matter what, because of where you're picking and because of the teams and the needs that are in front of you. So... I think trading out of that spot is a little bit tougher, especially whenever you go all the way back to 23. If you're telling me I could go back to 14 or 15 and maybe have the same sort of haul, I'm more enticing. I'm more enticed into doing so. But I think going from 10 to 23 is a pretty big jump for that. Now, now in that scenario, you would have three top 50 picks instead of two top 50 picks, and you would have four top 75 picks instead of three top 75 picks. But uh, I would say that I'm not doing that unless one of my four guys are on the board. I've narrowed down my four guys to Sewell, Slater, Sertan, and Pitts. In that order. Or not not in that order. Uh, any, any one of those four guys. So Horn's not in there? Day, so but, so I, I'm not – I don't want to take Horn at 10. And I like J.C. Horn. I don't want to take him at 10. And I don't want to take Micah Parsons at 10. But – you know, maybe Ooh. I trade down if I traded down Ooh. to uh, New England. Traded down with me or uh, whoever's at seventeen. They got to pull it up here. You know, if they, if they yeah, if someone wanted to do that, you know, like I'm just not terribly interested in reaching for someone right there at ten. I want to get my upper tier players. I want to be picky about who I have. We mm-hmm. talked about this last week, Bucky, being picky with our first round grades. And you know, I like J.C. Horn. I like him a lot. I just. I don't like him at 10. I never did. So, I mean, I, I'm not going to just change it because Farley got hurt. So, that, that's kind of kind of where I'm at. Like, I'm more willing to trade if I have that doomsday scenario where one of these four guys that I have identified who I would, you know, really covet at 10. But if I can't get one of those four, then I've got to be all, all ears on, on trades, I believe. I would put Michael Parsons in that category with your four just from a, a talent and impact potential standpoint um uh we've seen the only linebackers that really have an impact in today's game are the ones that can get after the quarterback he is one of the unique inside players who could do that and if you go back to his high school background him putting his hand in the dirt as a defensive end just makes him a little different like we can talk about the football character concerns and all that other stuff but from a talent standpoint if you think about him as a possible replacement for Jalen smith or whatever this dude is he can hit he can run, he can blitz, he can get up to the quarterback. And if you look at Dan Quinn's personality, he would be a very intriguing player. Um, not like I'm married to him, but I think you have to have him in that conversation with those those guys at 10. Because I think the talent would say that he is a top 10 worthy player. I, uh, I, I agree with that. I, I think you know it's debatable about position value and you know his top 10 pick. Is it okay taking a linebacker that early? And you know we can debate that, but in terms of talent, I 100% agree. He belongs there, and I actually, I you know, I would have no problem J.C. Horn at 10. Me personally, I yeah. think that mm-hmm. you know, I, I wouldn't take him over Sertan necessarily. I think Sertan's the better player, but if Sertan just you know hypothetical, say he goes nine, I, I think J.C. Horn's absolutely in that conversation at number 10. Uh, you know, just the way he plays the game. Uh, I know he likes to be a little over aggressive, but you'd rather him be that way than the other way, and have to try and you know get him to be more aggressive. So 
Uh, J.C. Horn at 10, I think that's, that's definitely uh, on the table for this team. You know, I think it's interesting, Dane, is the conversation with Sertan and Horn because they're two different style corners and yep. both are worthy of being like picked in the top 15 for their own thing. Sertan, to me, is more the dependable, trustworthy technician, even though he tested really well at his pro day. I don't know if he necessarily plays like that kind of athlete on the edge. And then J.C. Horn is the dynamic athlete who you can envision being uh, a premier corner in a man-to-man cover scheme. I don't know if I want to bog him down and have him doing a lot of thinking in zone, but if you are a man-heavy team and you're just like, hey, we're going to play man, um, and Dallas it will work because the cover three is very man-like, he can go, and he'll thump, and he'll do all those other things. I just think it comes down to your defensive coordinator and which one do you trust the most on the island. And I don't know. I, I could see I wouldn't hate it if he was taken in, in the top ten because the athleticism and the way that he plays, the dog mentality that he displays is certainly um, intriguing. It's something that I love about both those players, Sertan and Horn, you talk to people at South Carolina, and they say the day that J.C. Horn arrived uh, in Columbia, there uh, he tried he, he set, set the tempo for what that defense was going to be. He was a culture changer. Then you talk to people at Alabama about Sertan, uh, similar type of deal. Maybe not as vocal as Horn, but a guy that started from day one. And if you're starting as a true freshman, 18 years old for Nick Saban, that tells me something about you. So both these guys, I think fit the, the mold of what you're looking for uh, for a cornerstone defensive player who's also going to help you know, be part of your culture change in, your, in the locker room and part of the organization. Yeah, you can what really... What if I told you that they... Go for it, like, KT. Uh, no, no, you take off. No, I was, no, I was I going to take it to KT, break. Go, but... ahead, go ahead and finish your point. Yeah. Well, my point actually takes it somewhere else because I'm like that. I'm all over the road. <laughs> well, do it. I, I, let's do it. Go for it. Well, what if I told you that they like to roadmap the draft and they got talked into like they did a few years ago? We've got to take a pass rusher early. The pass rusher class is not that deep, so we're going to lock in on Ojolari, Quiddy Pay, or Jalen Phillips. What if I told you that? You guys feeling pretty nasty, feeling pretty bad about taking one of those guys at 10? Because I definitely am. Yeah, I don't like it. Uh, there's, there's the curveball uh, right there. Yeah, because I know uh, uh, Daniel mm-hmm. Jeremiah uh, in his latest mock had him going. Uh, uh, pay, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, I don't, it, yeah. I don't, it, it's I don't rich. Like, yeah. I don't. I don't like the quitty pay thing. The only. The only one that I could kind of be talked into would be Jalen Phillips, but it would only be after like a deep and thorough examination mm. of the background. And the reason why Jalen Phillips would be intriguing is coming out of high school, he was the number one recruit. Um, he was a cast me out. He was super athletic because he's from out here in California. Super athletic. He can run around. I think the pro day was a reminder of his athleticism um, because you kind of forget that looking at the tape because he's kind of smooth. He's a technician and those things. Hand skills-wise and the way that he gets after it, he gets after it like a veteran. But the one thing that you just don't know, you got to crack open the chest and see what the ticker is. Because i got to have someone that loves it if I'm taking him at top ten. He has to love it. And some of the reports that you hear about, like, oh, he, he kind of tapped out, he didn't know, the, the waning love of the game. With some of the injury stuff, I don't know if I could do it. But of those three, I'll be more likely to take Jalen Phillips than the other guys. It's, I, I, and I agree with everything you said. Uh, it, it would not be surprising if he went 
12 or wow. 42. You know, there's just such a wide variance there because of the, the concerns that Bucky laid out. Personally, I would be okay with Aziz Aguilari there. I'm a believer in him as a pass rusher. I think, you know, the guy's 20 years old, and he just he's coming off a season where he led the SEC in sacks, tackles for loss, and forced fumbles. Uh, a, a guy that's, you know, he looks a little undersized just when you, you know, see him. But then you watch him play, and, okay, 34-and-a-half-inch arms. Yeah, he's 6'2", but he, he, he has the length of a 6'5 player. Uh, mm-hmm. And so the, the burst that he plays with, the explosiveness, and he's really instinctive. You watch him play the run. You watch him. Uh, you know, there's more to him than just speed. Uh, and I think you feel good about him growing and developing and getting better. So uh, of those pass rushers, Audrey Larry for me would be the one where I'd be like, eh, I think there's maybe a better player here, but I, I don't hate that pick because of what he, we think he can be down the road. Yeah. I think it all depends on the D-line coach and those things. Like, if you have a D-line coach, because right now he has a great fastball. His fastball is that when he comes off the edge and bends and bursts and two-hand swipes, like, he look, you're not going to stop him. If he gets it going that way, it's what is his ability to develop a counter to that? What is his changeup? What if that, that guy is quick setting him or sitting on it? Does he have anything else? But he plays hard which always gives him a chance. And you're right. He is disruptive against the run game. He does that part of it. And I would say, like, it's funny because I have Pay ranked ahead of him, but really the Pay thing is a mystery. And I think in Dallas, like, if you take Pay, you have the the ghost of Taco Charlton hanging mm-hmm. in just because you're scouting the helmet, right? And right. the thing about Pay is, and the biggest issue I have, you want to get – true proven sack production from a pass rusher because if i see someone who's active but i never see him get the fish in the boat we're just out there fishing all day for nothing like i need to see the fish get into the boat and get into the bucket and i don't (laughs) see enough sack production from him and so everyone says oh he'll turn it on and he has this or whatever but man can i see it because if not i'm just hoping for something that i just never know if he's going to turn into I guess we're going fishing. Mix it up right there. It's going to be the draft show fishing show pretty soon. I mean, we're we're hitting the lake, hitting the pond, whatever we we end up having to do. For for those of you knocking down the door uh, in the Twitter mentions about edge rushers potentially at ten, there you go. There's the three names I think you could talk about: is Ojolari, Phillips, and, and then Quiddy Pay. And, and outside of that, I don't know if any of those three are even worth the tenth overall pick. I would probably lean Ojolari, but. Either way, I would not. I would rather take any other defensive player. I think in the draft, at least Michael Parsons. Even I would throw the two corners in there before we even get to edge rusher. But of course, the Cowboys yesterday creating a little bit of storylines. Jerry Jones saying that he's infatuated with Kyle Pitts. Could the Cowboys trade up to number four? Mm. And what would that take? We're going to answer that question in Twitter on the twenty when we come back on the DallasCowboys.com draft show. Sometimes nothing beats a classic. Miller Lite, the original light beer. Brewed with great taste and only 96 calories. Available for delivery. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories, 3.2 carbs per 12 ounces. We're back with a tasty treat that's sweeping airwaves and taste buds. It's new Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda. Let's take a listen. Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda's here. A new combo that's music to my ears. Okay, let's play. Ah, uh, music to my ears and 
mouth. New Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda. A delicious duet. Hey, Cowboys fans, if you're thinking about attending a game this season, visit CowboysTravel.com to book your travel package today. Stay at the team hotel, have dinner with a Cowboys legend, and experience AT&T Stadium's exclusive VIP Owners Club. Also, tour the star, get autographs from your favorite players, and talk X's and O's with me, Mickey Spagnola. The official travel partner of the Dallas Cowboys will take care of all your travel needs. Visit CowboysTravel.com. There's nothing as unique as our eyes, which is why Essilor pioneers ways to make lenses as unique as you. Verilux for super sharp vision, Essential Blue for protection, and Grisol for freedom from glare. Three cutting-edge solutions in a single unique lens. So whatever your needs, insist on Essilor. Visit your local Essilor experts and find the perfect lens for you. See more. Do more. Essilor. Sometimes nothing beats a classic. Miller Lite, the original light beer. Brewed with great taste and only 96 calories. Available for delivery. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories, 3.2 carbs per 12 ounces. This is the DallasCowboys.com Draft Show. Back here for the DallasCowboys.com Draft Show. Cowboys fans, show your football pride at the Dallas Cowboys Pro Shop, the official store of Cowboys Nation. Score classics like your favorite player jerseys, tees, hats, plus exclusive collections and unique experiences. Uh, excuse me, accessories with options from Nike, New Era, and many other brands. The Pro Shop has more Cowboys gear than anyone at the game. Go to the Cowboys Pro Shop or shop online at shop.dallascowboys.com. Welcome back into the draft show. Wanted to remind you, it is available, the official DallasCowboys.com draft guide, the Star Magazine. And by the way, next week, tune into the draft show with Twitter on the 20 questions because you may or may not be receiving a signed Dallas Cowboys Star Magazine draft guide from the cast of the draft show. We're trying to get that out there as well. Unfortunately, Dane and Bucky won't be a part of those autographs because you guys live in other parts of the country. I mean, we could ship it out to you if you wanted to sign it, but I mean, that that would be kind of fun. <laughs> we might get it get it to, to the winners of the Twitter on the 20 contest in like next April, but that's okay. We can maybe do that. Uh, let's go ahead and go into some Twitter on the 20. Twitter on the 20. Thank you very much, Chris Beam. Starting things off with Corey Clark, and Corey Clark does great work on the radio, and he, he decided to throw this, this question out there because of the news yesterday with Jerry Jones. Could you see Dallas trading up to number four to draft Mr. Kyle Pitts, and what would it cost for them to do that? We'll start with you, Dane, on this one. What would it cost for the Cowboys to go from 10 to four, and is that even a remote possibility? Well, I think it, first, who who are the Cowboys competing with for that pick? You know, because theoretically, uh, they're probably going to get some offers at number four for a quarterback. And mm-hmm. if that's the case, then it's tough to outbid a team. You know, we saw what it took to move up for the 49ers from 12 to three. So moving up from 10 to four is not that different. And the ransom for a, a quarterback uh, is a lot. So you know, it's going to take at least a first round pick, and then probably something else. That's a lot. And Kyle Pitts is a special, special player. There's no no debate about that. Uh, but is it worth not having a first-round pick next year? And then whether that's another two somewhere? I don't, it, it, it's hard to figure out. But 
as much as I like Kyle Pitts, that, that's a tough pill to swallow. The chart would tell you 10, 44, and 115, but you can throw the chart out the window when you're trading in the top 10 or into the top five. So Right, especially when quarterback premium involved. position. You know, quarterback yeah. wouldn't be involved. Yeah, a quarterback wouldn't be involved for the Cowboys, but theoretically there could be another team looking to get up to number four for a quarterback, so the price is, is going to go up a little bit. And, like The Cowboys... Offense is not the problem. Uh, at least, you know, scoring points and, you know, the quarterback, wide receivers, the pass catchers, that's not the problem. And so I just don't think you can justify moving up to strengthen a strength when you have other needs on this team that you can get elsewhere. So I, I, it would be a hard sell, and that's, that's not easy to say because, again, Kyle Pitts is a special, special player. I don't know. Like, I mean, I don't know how much help you can get defensively to – pull his team from the bottom to the middle of the pack. Your best bet might be to say, let's go all in on the offense. And I, I mean, I hate to be team 40 burger, but I think maybe <laughs> if you can hang 40 on them and, and, and make people chase points, it could be interesting. And I, I do wonder because when was the last time like the Cowboys have had like in a legitimate high end threat in the middle of the field? If you think about it, like, I mean, Jason Witten was older, but when you have someone that can control the middle of the field and even do some of the mismatch stuff that Kyle Pitts can do, imagine the one-on-ones that would be created not only for Amari Cooper, but for Michael Gallup and C.D. Lamb. And how does that lighten the box when it comes to Ezekiel Elliott? It would be very intriguing if you could do the sale and if you dug into Mike McCarthy's history of multiple tight ends. I just think emptying out the, the backfield, doing some different things with Kyle Pitts, we make for interesting conversation in that meeting room if Mike McCarthy is involved in selling a vision for how this offense can even go to a greater level. And if Kyle Pitts is there at 10, do it, 100%. I'm, I'm on board all the way. Trading a future one to get up there, that's where I would have a – Would you move up to eight? If he's sitting there at eight, would you move up to eight to get him? What's it going to cost me, like a third? Probably a third. I think, I think it just cost you a third by then. That, that, now that you could sell me on. That'd be enticing because that's uh, as much as I'd like to have that. You know, that third round pick theoretically could be a starter, but to get a difference maker like Kyle Pitts, a guy that we think is uh, a special player, yeah, you could sell me on that. Absolutely. So, so that'd be pick seventy five would be your first third, and ninety nine would be your second third. So. Yeah, you'd probably have to give up 75, I would think, in order to get up to 8, especially yeah. if you do have 99 on the back burner there. But it, just based off of this conversation, it sounds like we're all three, or all of you guys are in the boat that if Kyle Pitts is at 10, you're still taking him. And I feel like that's a little bit more solidified than what I've heard oh, from yeah. you guys in the past. It's just too good. I mean, he's okay. the best non-quarterback in this draft. He's just he's a difference maker. And... You don't want to be the the team that passes on Kyle Pitts. You don't you don't want to be the guy that passes on special. And so yeah. it, it, it just don't see him doing that. Kyle, uh, because Kyle knows this, because last week I was <laughs> a staunch proponent of like, hey, he's just a tight end. But I got a stern talking to from one of my mentors, Scott McLuhan. Uh-oh. And he was like, hey, man, I hear what you're saying about this guy, but this guy is pretty good. And then we went back and forth because he drafted Vernon Davis in the top ten at six. And he said the only thing is – the difference is we don't really know the player because we didn't get to the combine and talk to him, but if he has a mindset where he can be a dominant player, he creates so many problems for the defense because legitimately he's a jumbo wide receiver. And we've seen lesser talents like a Jordan Reed create problems in Washington 
being on the outside. Mm-hmm. And so when you think about Jordan Reed and Zach Ertz and Darren Waller, whatever, I would say that Kyle Pitts is a better athlete and maybe a more skilled player than those guys. And we've seen the headache that they have created. In an offense in Dallas where you have three legitimate wideouts, a running back, a quarterback that can get the ball out of his hands, I don't know how you defend that offense, even if we're playing a video. I don't know how you set the defense up. What are you trying to take away? You guys are 100% talking me into this right now. I just want to let you know, I'm like, I've never been one to say, let's take him at 10, but I'm starting to shift my thinking at this very moment. KT, I don't want to cut you off, but we need to get to more questions because we've spent 12 minutes on Kyle Pitts already. Uh, Let's go to... Let's go to DFW Sports Fan. He said, who's the most realistic player with the round one grade who could still be there at 44 or fall to the early second where you could potentially trade up to go get him? Is there anybody, Bucky, that comes to mind whenever it comes to a first-round grade going to 44? Man, like it's funny because first-round grade, I think the first-round grade is probably cut off at in the 20s. Yeah. I think all the tackles are gone. I think you have a better shot of one of those cornerbacks being there because I think the cornerback class is graded loosely. Like you have guys who are high on Greg Newsom, some guys who are not. You have guys who talk about Johnson, the Johnson kid from Kentucky, some guys who don't. Some guys who have a high grade on Asante Samuel Jr., other guys don't. And so I think you're more likely to get a a talent in the second round that plays like a first-rounder at corner um, at that pick at 44 than other, otherwise. I think the answer to that question that I'm kind of – I would say it, that becomes like an injury guy, and that's where Caleb Farley comes into the, into play. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, would be my specific answer there. But, like, you know – Jalen like Smith I, situation. Jalen mm-hmm. Smith situation. The, the only other name that I could think of, and I don't think he would fall that far, but I'm just going there just for the sake of this conversation – would be a Zaven Collins or a Nick mm. Bolton, a, a you know middle of the field linebacker type player, maybe. Yeah, one or of those they, guys. Yeah, one of those guys may end up being there. The the name that I was going to mention uh, is Christian Barmore. You know, mm. a, a guy that has so much ability, so much talent, but you know, only a redshirt sophomore, didn't really t- really turn it on till the second half of the 2020 season. Uh, you know, could he potentially slip a little bit? I, I think it's possible. It's at least in the realm of possibility. I don't think it's likely. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Zayvon Collins, I, t- I mentioned this on the first draft show we had back in December, how, how much the Cowboys like him. Um, I think they have a first-round grade on him. Uh, and I say I think but when I actually mean I know. And <laughs> that's, that's, that's a player to keep. Keep on the radar. Uh, you know, I don't know that they would do that at ten, but it, it's it, it's a guy that they really like, and so it just uh, if, in a trade back scenario or a trade up scenario, something to keep in mind. He's interesting because he's so long, he's so athletic, he he has the ability to kind of move around a bunch, and I just wonder with DQ and how they're reconfiguring this defense, what kind of role could they create? For him, because I think you have to go back. When you look at what the Seahawks did, and they're not similar players, but the Seahawks took Bobby Wagner, who spent most of his time playing down near the line of scrimmage at Utah State, and moved him inside to Mike Linebacker. I just wondered with Xavier Collins, what would his versatility add? 
to this defense as DQ kind of thinks about the vision for this defense going forward because you can see him playing inside. Sometimes you see him come off the edge. He's just a very unique talent, and he is so big. Mm. I mean, he is just a big, monstrous player that you have these visions of him and LVE playing beside each other. And I can't imagine in a zone defense where they're spot dropping and looking at quarterback, how are you going to fit the ball into some of these intermediate windows with this length that they have on the field? We're showing some He's highlights. 10 pounds bigger than uh, Audulary. <laughs> That's insane. Yes. We're showing highlights of him against Oklahoma State at the moment, gentlemen. And I've watched this game on All-22, but I don't know if the highlights – or I don't know if the All-22 does him credit of just how big he is. I mean, it's unbelievable how mm-hmm. thick that frame is from, from Collins. And he is – he's fun to watch. I mean, he tore up the pokes up in Stillwater and something that, that definitely caught my eye on film. Now – this is another question that has been asked before, but we're going to go back into it a little bit. And this comes from Fanatic Cowboy on Twitter. I like the, twi- the, the, the Twitter handle. Earlier in the show, talking about not today, but throughout the, the course of it, he says, you guys have discussed Detroit's Jeff Okuda for the number 10 overall pick. What if we bring up that same question now? Would that be something that you would consider a guy who, of course, went in the top 10 or top five last year, rather, switched around for the top 10 pick overall this year if Detroit somehow wanted to do that. Is that something that you would consider, KT? Whatever opinion that I tweeted out about this four months ago, I'll just say whatever I said then. But I really don't remember. <laughs> I mean, I, 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 I could... Yeah. I'll take the, uh, I'll take the younger guy, uh, I guess, at this point. Well, I don't know Kuda's age, though. But I, I, I'm comfortable... I mean, look, at the time when that conversation came up, we were talking about Farley and Sertan. I'll I'll take Sertan over Okuda, but I'll take Okuda over Horn just to have fun. Okay. I don't have a passionate opinion here, though, you know? See, unfortunate, like the Jeff Okuda thing is kind of like when you buy a car. Once you drive it off the lot, it changes. (laughs) The thing is, now we've seen him in the pros. I'm not quite as fired up as I was last year, so it would be a harder <laughs> sell for me to give up the 10 after I've seen him play in the pros, even though he still could turn out to be a really good player. It's certainly a red flag when a, a team is ready to punt on a top three pick after one year. <laughs> yep. that, I know it's a new new regime in Detroit, so you can point to that, but the, if a team's ready to move on from a player that quickly, that that should set off alarms uh, in your head. So uh, I don't know. That's a trade you're you're worth, worth making. I, I do it. I do it for Marshawn Lattimore. No way. Can't do that now either. Oh no. <laughs> too, Probably not. Too morbid. Too dark. What yeah. other Ohio State corner is out? Denzel Ward. <laughs> yeah, we, we oh no! Go I'm get Ward. Sean. I'm waiting to get Sean Wade in the seventh. <laughs> There you go. That's that's a good idea. How about another red schooled cornerback? Josh Weaver wants us to tell him more about corner R- Rashad Wild Goose from Wisconsin, and what is his projected round? Dane Brugler, take this one. Uh, you know, I think he's more of a late round guy, um, a player who wish we could have seen more of him at Wisconsin. Uh, you know, he was he was a top recruit coming out of Miami, out of South Florida. Uh, only played two games this year. He got hurt. Then he opted out, uh, kind of preserve his body. Didn't, you know, he's not a big guy. He's 5'10", 190. Um, solid athlete, but not a great athlete. Uh, I think he was in the four fives in the 40 at his, at his pro day. Um, so, you know, he's, he's a guy with talent. But when you stack him up with these other corners in this draft, 
I, I think it's easy to kind of, well, yeah, I'd rather have this guy or I'd rather have this guy. And before you know it, wild goose is kind of down your board. So later <laughs> rounds, PFA, I, I think that's the, the range you're looking for wild goose. And Dane, as I close my eyes and I just listen to you, after about two sentences, I was like, yep, that's a day three, late around. <laughs> we'll, we'll wait. We'll try and find somebody better before we take a, take a flyer on that. And I, and I agree with you. Like, when you talk about a guy who only played two games and then he's hurt, then he opted out, then he runs a 4-5, like, I mean, what exactly are the redeemable qualities that will enable him to be a guy that could start right away? Doesn't sound like much, and then when you look at the tape, you don't see a lot early. Maybe yeah. he can work his way on special teams and find a, a role, but right now I wouldn't say that I would be excited about his prospects. I like it. Uh, I do like that. I do like the. Go, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, Kyle. No, no, I promised we'd get to a lot of questions today. Go ahead. <laughs> okay, we'll start with you on the rapid fire then. This one comes from Christian. This is rapid fire one position. Other than cornerback, what position would be would you be disappointed slash frustrated with if the Cowboys don't use a single pick on them in the draft? Which one would it be, KT? You start us off. Uh, they need to take a defensive end at some point. A defensive lineman. Can I can I be can I spread it out that far? They've got to take another defensive yeah. lineman. That's fair. They've got to take a defensive end of some. I, I would probably say offensive line. Um, you know, I, Dak Prescott, you paid him. Now let's keep him healthy. And, you know, it's uh, with, with Tyron getting older, um, you know, if you can get a guy you think you can develop there at that position, but it's just good to have depth, and they need depth across the offensive line. So I, I'd like to see him invest in a quality off, especially this draft where offensive tackle, mm-hmm. interior offensive line, two of the strongest positions in this draft. So take advantage of that invested in the offensive line. I like that. I would say a playmaking linebacker, an athletic linebacker, mm-hmm. rather. Someone that can run sideline to sideline and chase because they need to upgrade the athleticism on the second level. I think they need to upgrade the depth as well, Bucky. I'm right there with you. I think it's linebacker for me. If they don't take one of these mid-round linebackers, uh, I mean, we've talked about the names, Baron Browning, Zayvon Collins that we just threw out. I don't know if he's mid-round, but he's a potential prospect. There are a lot of guys in the middle of that linebacker group that could be a a solid depth piece or even a starter down the road who knows with the Cowboys and I think that's why that position is where it is for me by the way just because of this segment I have fans now tweeting at me saying that I'm a hashtag team all the burgers is what I'm now a part of after this so it's all the burgers hashtag all the burgers because last year it was team 40 burger with CD lamb now it's team all the burgers with Kyle Pitts and apparently I'm a part of that Mm -hmm. team now but I'm having fun with it just make sure you get the burger from the right place though yeah Whataburger 110,000 percent Whataburger just make sure you get the burger from the right place. That's all That's all I add. I almost get wore a, right a Whataburger t-shirt for you today, Bucky. <laughs> I almost did it. I might do it next week. We'll see what how I'm feeling next week. But let's go ahead and take our second break. When we come back here on the DallasCowboys.com draft show, we've got some, uh, how about prop bets for the draft? KT's got some fun ones we're going to hit when we come back right after this. Sometimes nothing beats a classic. Miller Lite, the original light beer, brewed with great taste and only 96 calories, available for delivery. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories, 3.2 carbs per 12 ounces. The Cowboys way, where 16 Hall of Famers and five championships shows us what success looks like. Where turkey is always the second best part of Thanksgiving Day. 
where we are all defined by one single thing, the star. Where we as fans know it's our job to keep the tradition going. Bank of America is proud to be the official bank of the Dallas Cowboys and to support the quest of living life the Cowboys way. Copyright 2020, Bank of America Corporation. Honey, big news. Gary, are you okay? Oh, I'm not Gary anymore. I'm Jackie Flash. What? See, I want the latest smartphone, but the best deals are only for new customers. So to get a new customer deal, I changed my name to Jackie Flash. Okay, but the best smartphone deals at AT AT&T are for everyone, new and existing customers. That's huge. Then guess who's getting a deal? Is it Jackie Flash? Jackie Flash. It's not complicated. At AT&T, our best smartphone deals are for everyone. Restrictions apply. Visit att.com for details. Before there was a draft, you could size up a cowboy by three simple factors. The crease in his hat, the bend of his brim, and his unbending attitude. A man Stetson didn't just protect him from what life threw at him. It projected a rugged, unstoppable spirit. Stetson hats are still American-made with pride right here in Texas. They're still the unofficial crown of all self-respecting cowboys. And Stetson is proud to be on the field with America's team. Find a retailer nearest you at stetson.com slash cowboys. Sometimes nothing beats a classic. Miller Lite, the original light beer. Brewed with great taste and only 96 calories. Available for delivery. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories, 3.2 carbs per 12 ounces. This is the DallasCowboys.com Draft Show. Final segment here of the DallasCowboys.com Draft Show. Get ready for Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders auditions. Yeah, this is what we like to hear about. Learn from the best at a one-day intensive audition, or excuse me, uh, intensive? Is that the right word? Audition prep class for April 24th at the Star in Frisco. Master the Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders dance and kick technique. Ask former DCC for tips and audition process through an open Q&A and more. Register now at DallasCowboysCheerleaders.com. Lots of fun with DCC. Lots of fun with the, what is this, DCDS, DallasCowboys.com draft show. Kyle Yeomans, KT, Bucky Brooks, Dane Brugler. And and Bucky, we're going to start with you. Actually, KT, you're back. So we're going to let you throw out some of these prop bets. What prop bets do you have for us to, to sit through? Well, I tell you, I just want to have a little fun because uh, I have a gambling problem. So um, we will st- <laughs> we'll start. Yeah, I'll start with you, Bucky. Because I know Bucky, I know you're high on uh, my guy Javante Williams from uh, North Carolina. Oh yeah. How many running backs will be selected in the first round? Over or under one point five. Under. Under just one. Under. I don't even know if one gets selected. We may see a, a, a draft where we see zero running backs taken in the first round. Mm. Dave, I, I think I would agree uh, w- with Bucky. I think you know we could we could see two. I, I don't think that's like it wouldn't be shocking, but I, I would agree if I had a bet, put a bet on it, I would say one or, or zero are the more more likely bets. Well, I think the best way you look at it is you look at these teams late in the first round that need a running back. Tampa Bay probably not. Uh, of course, Kansas City did it last year. Green Bay maybe. You can maybe look that direction. I, pretty much, no. I, I think yeah, it would they, be. They just resigned. Yeah. Yeah. I think it'd be it, it, under. I think you're looking at you know maybe maybe a Pittsburgh. I, you know I think they're yeah. more, li- mm-hmm. more likely to go 
corner or offensive tackle, but you could if they took Najee Harris there at what twenty four. I don't think it'd be sure. shocking. That would uh, that would be the perfect that'd be the perfect fit because to me right. he is the new school version of Led Bell for them. Mm. But outside of that, like there's so many running backs that are talented that I think teams are going to look at other positions first before they go back. And they're like three teams in play for running backs. Miami, the Jets, and you talk about the Steelers. Outside of that, no one else really seems fired up about needing a running back early. It's true. Well, And the interesting thing with the Miami and the Jets is they both pick early in round two. So, you know, they don't have to have they don't feel like they have to take one of those guys in that with their late first round picks. They could just wait to the the early second round and take that their running back there. Okay, yeah. just so you guys know, I'm charting your answers and we will uh, have a yes. you know, we'll test the accuracy after the draft. The winner I'll uh, dinner on me just, at a burger place. Just, Nice. Oh my gosh! Um, it'll be a, it'll be the burger place of my choice. Oh <laughs> man, perfect. Unless I unless I'm in your state, since you guys are, are not in Texas here. Um, this one will uh, uh, be a be a kind of a tense one. Uh, over under nine and a half is the draft position for Patrick Sertan, the second. Oh gosh. Ooh. I'm gonna stay positive. I, over. I'll, I'll say over. Yeah, I, I think over. I, I think that's when you look at okay, who's going to take Sertan? I think one a, a possible scenario here is if Denver would to trade up to four, and then the Falcons move back to nine. I, I think that Patrick Sertan would then become the favorite to be that ninth to pick at number nine overall to Atlanta. Uh, that that to me would be a possible Stone scenario. One. But if that doesn't happen, I think there's a good chance that Sertan's available at ten. Yeah, I don't, I don't see him going within the top ten. I have to take the over, yeah. Okay. I don't like the Broncos are the only team that could pull the trigger. The rest of the teams, no one has a need like that in the top ten. Okay, how many wide receivers will be selected in the first round? Over or under 4.5? Mm. So we think, all right, we think three for sure. And yep. then it becomes, okay, Bateman, Elijah Moore, Kadarius Toney, Marshall, Marshall, maybe yeah. of those, yeah, of those four, uh, you know, how many sneak in? Do two sneak in there? Because that would give you five for the over. That's a tough one. That's a tough one. Well, that's how I'm, these prop bets I'm work. Gonna, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go under. <laughs> wow. Under. So you think it'd be four? That that under. that's uh, that's where I'm leaning to. Um, yeah, I think it'd just be three. Maybe wow. four, maybe somewhere in the twenties you get the fourth one. Yeah, I don't. Mm. You know what? I'm gonna say over. I, I I'm, I'm gonna say that Bateman and Moore get in there. I'm gonna say that uh, I'm, I'm the, the three and then some. Yeah, some way the, the Bateman and Moore will just sneak into that late first. But I don't feel good about it. Yeah, I think I'm gonna <laughs> say under. I think I think I'm just with Chase Smith, Waddle, Bateman. And then call it quits after that. I don't know if there's another guy that sneaks in there. And if they do, it would be late. Uh, but I wouldn't be surprised if maybe like a Terrence Marshall gets in there uh, and, and has some sort of, of look there. Terrence, I, I keep saying his name with an extra N, but I think Marshall could maybe get in there. But who knows? I, I would say under, though. Okay. Penny Sewell selected over or under pick 5.5. Basically, does he go to the Bengals? <laughs> yeah. 
That's a good mm. point. And that, that's really where I'm, you know, I, I'm, I'm working on a mock draft right now, and I get hung up um, with, with the Bengals. Do they go tackle? Do they go pass rusher? And, you know, you look at it, and tackle is not exactly the immediate need when you have Jonah Williams and they signed Riley Reef, but, you know, they signed him to a one-year deal. So it's not exactly mm-hmm. a long-term solution. Uh, they could absolutely still go offensive tackle, help your quarterback. Um, man. I think I'm going to say, I don't know what I'm going to say. That's tough. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. I'm going, I'm going under. I think he goes off the board in Cincinnati. They just put Anthony Munoz's name in the ring of honor. I think they're going to convince themselves that they need to make sure they protect Joe Burrow. I think wow. that's, the smart, that's the smart choice, I think. I think that's what they should do. But you I'm just don't say, trust him. I don't yeah, exactly. Him. Dave say Brugler doesn't trust Snoop and <laughs> I'm going to say that Kyle Pitts or Jamar Chase are just going to be too enticing, and I, and so uh, while I think they should go Sewell, I'm going to say they don't. I'm going to say I'm going to say the over. You got to be careful Woo. there, Dane. You live in Ohio. You have to be careful with what you're saying about yeah. Cincinnati. Cincinnati's they're. they're they're four hours south. Okay, that's fair. Okay, you're good, you're good enough distance away. That's like us talking about Houston. Uh, yeah, I would probably say right. over, just because I don't necessarily trust them either. I think they're going to get enticed with somebody else. Maybe it's Jamar Chase. Who knows? Maybe they want to go get a pass catcher for Joe Burrow rather than try and protect him because of the patchwork offensive line signings that they've had. So I'm going to say over. We've talked about Sertan and Horn ad nauseum. Mm-hmm. How many cornerbacks are selected in the first round? Over under three and a half. Mm-hmm. Does someone take a chance on Farley? Does a run start on corners? Over under three and a half. I say over. I would say uh, over. It's just such a premium position. And when you think of some of those, like, okay, if we think that Sertan, Horn, and say Greg Newsom, we feel good about those three corners going first round. Then it becomes, okay, you know, Caleb Farley's got obviously the injury stuff. But then you also throw in the two Georgia corners. You throw in Kelvin Joseph, the guys that are really talented, but there might be just something there that you worry about. And, but there's so much talent and at a premium position that I can absolutely see a team saying, hey, we're going to bet on the traits. Uh, yeah, Kelvin Joseph, Kelvin Joseph has some maturity stuff, but mm-hmm. we're going to bet on the traits. Tyson Campbell, we wish he could find the football better downfield. Uh, you know, and make some of those interceptions, but we feel good about just the traits. And so, you know, Kansas City or uh, the Packers, some of those teams in the back half of round one, I could see them pulling the trigger on a corner. So I'll say the over. I'm going to take the over because just in thinking about recent years, the first round corners that have been taken near the end DeAndre Baker, Jeff Gladney, mm. Michael Hughes. When you, when you think about it in that vein, um, it makes it more realistic that we'll see more than four corners go in the first round all right we got time for one more i think kyle right yep um i'm, I'm not charged so it's uh, uh justin fields over under pick four and a half under mm. i think well, he goes 49ers three. they're going to justin fields pro day next week so you can't completely rule him out at three 
That's that's tough. I, I you know, I, I I still feel like we're really up in the air with what San Francisco is going to do at three. Um, you know, there's too much smoke about Mac Jones. But it has too much. Too much it has to be too much yeah. smoke about the Mac Jones thing. Like, yeah, like it's bizarre. The, the, the most unbelievable thing. It makes me almost want to puke when I think. We're 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 debating the thing. Like it just it just drives me crazy. Like. I mean, if we're going to give up draft capital, I want to give up draft capital for special. I don't want to give it up for just another game manager. And so, like, I don't see special. So I would rather, if you told me Trey Lance or whatever, like, I, fine, because I can bank on the special traits or whatever. But the Mac Jones thing just drives me crazy. Um, I don't know. <laughs> like, it, it has to be the greatest smoke screen to, known to man because I, I just can't imagine everyone knowing, oh, Mac Jones is who they want. Like, yeah. Maybe. It's man. They're going to take Kyle Pitts. And if I. (laughs) That'd be wild. Pitts and Kittle, have fun. (laughs) There you Uh, go. Oh, yeah. Garoppolo's got to find a way to get. Oh, Garoppolo's hurt. Okay. Uh oh. Uh, Do we still have CJ Beathard or Nick Mullins? Who do we have? (laughs) But but I think, and that's my contention. Look, I know it's not the Mac Jones thing, but my contention would be Kyle Shanahan. You just played games with Nick Mullins and CJ Beathard. You not saying Mac Jones is those guys, but you want to go down that road again? Mm. Like it just to me, I'm like, dude, you just went down this with just eh, quarterbacks. Like if I'm a gamble, at least gamble with somebody who can make it right. You lost to Pat Mahomes. All of this stems from in my mind, like they see Matt Lafleur playing with Aaron Rodgers and Sean McVay and Kyle Shanahan have quarterback envy. They want someone who can make the plays come to life. Mac Jones doesn't make the plays come to life with his specialness. Yeah. No, you're right. You're you're 100% right. I, I can't figure out why, and, and who knows what Atlanta's going to do. If I'm Atlanta and Matt Ryan at that age, I know he's restructured the contract. Dude, Trey Lance makes so much sense. Tons or even sense. Justin Fields, it doesn't matter. A quarterback there, one of those guys makes so much sense to, Trey Lance especially could sit for a year. And then, you know, if, if he's, it's weird to, to pick someone at four that would have to sit more than one year. Like, that's very weird. But, like, if Matt Ryan had a great year, you could still have that option. Like, I think Atlanta needs to be in that quarterback mix, too. And maybe they are. It's just, I don't know, kind of get the vibes that maybe they won't go that direction as we get a little closer. So, I don't know. Uh, I, I think we're going to find out who has more sway in, the, in that building, the head coach and mm. the GM, uh, based on what they do. If they go with the quarterback, then the GM, I think, won that, uh, yeah. that thumb, yep. thumb match. Where, But if they – Go if they trade down or they go pits or you know a different direction, then probably the head coach won that that debate about absolutely. Just, yeah, yeah, let's stay with Matt Ryan. Let's compete. Let's get better. And so it, it's going to be an interesting dynamic. And Dane, to your point, because Arthur Smith is there, and the more that he talks to Matt Ryan, Matt Ryan will be able to speak his language because they can talk about coverage and what we're going on and what we need to do. Coaches fall in love with, I can win right now with this guy, as opposed to, hey, let's think about the future. We need to make sure we get one, and let's do Alex Smith, Pat Mahomes, and he still can play, but we can get the other guy Mm -hmm. ready. I do wonder if they're going to fall into that trap. And then do they have enough bandwidth to know what is coming down the pipeline next year? Do I want Sam Howell or one of those other quarterbacks in 2022, the Liberty Kid or whatever, or I'm like, hey, man, I better get the the best of the last one that's available in this class mm-hmm. because it far exceeds what's available next year. Either way, mm-hmm. you, you're going to look at it. And, Still there, Kyle? Oh, yes. I, I'm so dumb. 
Give me a second. Cal's video went down on the thing. I am here. If you oh, there he is. Yes, I am. Hey! I'm dumb. I closed right. my laptop thinking that the show was over, but I forgot that's how I talk to you guys. Uh, so, yes. <laughs> I've never done that, by the way. I've done a hundred of these shows now, and I've never done that. Uh, either way, San Francisco is holding... <laughs> either way, San Francisco is, is holding everybody else up whenever it comes to the draft because of what they could potentially do at three. But it's certainly going to be something to talk about over the next couple weeks. But that'll do it for us. Here on the DallasCowboys.com draft show. Sorry, I tried to get out of here early on the WebEx side of things. For Bucky Brooks, for Kevin KT Turner, and Dave Brugler, I'm Kyle Yeomans. Thanks again for watching. We'll see you next time on the draft show. This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Yeah!